This is Chris. No, it's not. (laughs) This is Colin. This is Chris. This is David. And like that perfectly crunchy yet fluffy french fry this is shiny podcast following the light and throwing a little shade on the newest and brightest in today's gaming and technology if you haven't guessed by now we have our dear friend davis guesting on the shiny podcast with us tonight hey davis how doing doing good doing and you colin how are you on this fine evening I am doing as well. Good. We're all doing. We're doing a podcast, and this podcast is about the latest and greatest in gaming and technology. And this, like every episode, is jam-packed full of shit to pull apart. Because that's how I roll. Now we know, now we know how Chris rolls. <laughs> Fingertips out. <laughs> Tips out, everybody. <laughs> Next time you see Chris, just give him some Purell. Yeah, I'm still sporting. <laughs> Definitely don't shake my hand. <laughs> Colin. Chris. Tell me about this laptop that I potentially want to buy. Yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, 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 two or three weeks ago, I think we were, we were bemoaning the the fact that the availability of of ryzen cpus in in the laptop world was was woefully lacking that if you wanted to support amd's line of ryzen cpus and you also really wanted to get it into a laptop you your options really came up pretty short (laughs) and so uh on on the heels of that this review come comes through for uh, a laptop made by Acer, uh, the Acer Swift 3, that uh, has an AMD CPU, and uh, and and so it's pretty much the only one that I'm aware of. But it comes in. Uh, a few- There's a few others. That I, I've like I think HP makes one too, but it's a very limited one. Well, right. Yes. Um, yeah, this is the only one that I was aware of. I'm sure there are yeah, others out there, which you have pointed out. <laughs> but not many. Not, but not many, many at all. Your options are few, and it's like, I'm sure the other ones maybe don't have very nice design features. Maybe they aren't fully, uh, maybe fully fleshed out as, as maybe this one might be, because this seems to really be targeted to, to folks who, you know, consumers who want to buy a laptop, not not hobbyists you, you know right um or casuals and so uh they're normies normies and so there are a few, <laughs> a few different models here so you can get like your your 14 inch and 15.6 inch versions um they come with vega graphics which is pretty cool um and uh I, i'm not sure so i just gotta point out this this thing in this article that i'm not sure how to take because if you'll notice under the um the table that sort of like lays out the uh, specs of these things yes you notice under gpu how they're rating the difference between the two the two uh radeon vega chips yes i did there's uh eight compute units and 10 compute (laughs) units i'm sorry (laughs) 
I'm a big geek, but what the fuck is, is a, a compute, compute unit? unit? Yeah, <laughs> I did not notice that until you just <laughs> pointed it out just now. <laughs> what the? F- <laughs> okay. Now I hope a listener like like writes in and says like, "Hey, Gulay, you're an idiot. This is a compute unit." But to my knowledge, that's not a standard. Either you're, <laughs> dude. Either you're like. Right in the ball, or you're gonna learn by uh, making a fool of yourself. That's yeah. right. It's a, a story the of my brain, life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as also as opposed to the the Nvidia uh, option, because it is an optional uh, graphics that you can get in this laptop. You don't have to do Radeon Vega. Uh, the the Nvidia offers no compute units. None at all. None at all. <laughs> does not, not even... does not compute. Which again makes me. <laughs> makes me feel like it's not a thing <laughs> can i am up to date on the uh radeon vega uh thing this graphics card that's the sort of like the same laptop but with like with the intel nvidia thing it's it, it contains an mx 150 i don't know what that is uh you know i don't either <laughs> all right then it doesn't matter okay <laughs> for 949 you can get a ryzen 7 quad core 8 thread laptop with a radeon vega gpu that has some ostensibly measurable graphics card on it (laughs) with a 512 gig sata ssd and a 1080p 15 inch screen also comes with usb type c which is great i wonder if you can charge over that that would be really Mm. slow still for 949 that's a really cool laptop i'd love to see that in the wild yeah right on Oh man, this next thing, uh, this was so not on my radar for some reason. And Chris texted me this information the other day and I just, I was at work. I had to like, I, I, so for work, I sit in a call queue. I had to take myself out of the queue and find everything that I could find about this information absolutely immediately because this was very exciting. So I was surprised by the way, I didn't realize this like hit such a nerve. Yeah, no, I, I I enjoy mobile gaming, and I don't do it as much as I'd like to, but the ability to take that thing that I really enjoy, like, pretty much anywhere that I can get decent internet access is, like, I, I mean, that tickled pink. <laughs> Something tells me your VPN game is about to go up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, so, so what, what are we talking about? So steam has, has announced uh, a couple days ago that, um, coming, coming up this summer, you, uh, uh, through the steam link app, um, will be able to stream your library of steam games to your Android phone, tablet TV, or iOS based phone, iPad, Apple TV devices while connected to a 5 gigahertz (laughs) network or wired Ethernet. um, I'm sorry, did you just say Apple TV as well? Yes. That's awesome. Wow. They are being very complete about this. Yes, they are. (laughs) Wow. Um, and uh, uh, so, so with Android uh, access initially only offered in beta, but um, I, I think it's slated to to launch on May twenty first, so actually not too far away. And then later on this summer, they also have like a Steam Video app um, that that will be launching. Um, 
Um, so you can watch movies and shows uh, available on Steam directly on those devices as well. But but the ability to to stream in big picture your your Steam library on your Android and iOS devices is, I mean that's, that's Dude, that, that rules. That that's, rules. That's really cool. <laughs> that's so anywhere cool. like. Anywhere that you can link up a like a controller, you can just play your games and use yep. your stuff. Like, well, oh. okay, whoa, 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 okay. not <laughs> any. Well, see, this is why I asked because I'm like, do those interface with all of? Those? So, 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 in sh- the short answer is yes, but like, I figured there was a but. There's always a but. So, Android and iOS both have a really robust ecosystem of controllers that you can attach to them, okay. uh, wirelessly or or wired. Um, and so that that would work the only thing i want to 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 sort of tamp down is like it like you can't just access it from anywhere like it it it, it nope. has to be on your local five five gigahertz network yeah. or a wired ethernet to a right. host system. your home network or where you've set this up yeah there it's is so pretty cool though. there's probably some v- this is what i was alluding to earlier there's probably some uh, VPN remote access trickery that you could do to to log in remotely if oh, you yeah. were a like super geek, but it's not something you would expect to work out of the box. But still, being able from any device in your house, yeah, you ba- the idea is like you would have like a box somewhere, you know, maybe in your office, maybe you know, in your your bedroom, whatever that like does all the crunching for your gaming, and you can stream it to literally anything in your house yeah having having just like a hub of you know of devices and hardware and like you know thing you get what i'm saying yeah it's gonna broadcast everywhere that sounded really smart guys <laughs> <laughs> uh, the box tell the screens <laughs> colin do you see yourself using this on your phone like do you see yourself like let's just like are you gonna spin up the witcher 3 and sit on your couch and play that game on your phone while you're like horizontal. Probably not on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, but now. yeah. <laughs> 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 but um, uh, I I can I I can see I I don't know I can see maybe on another device. Um, I can see. I mean, I own a Steam Link, like the the actual little little box thing but um i can see myself doing it on other devices um or i mean i can set up other i'll just i'll just i'll just create a network i'll build like 10 different gaming computers and put them in all the places that i visit every year (laughs) so that (laughs) so i'm just gonna park this pc here it's don't worry about it don't worry about it don't worry about it i'm just Um, putting a computer on your network (laughs) well my 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 someday in-laws just got fiber internet so i told them as soon as they got what is it 40 uh synchronous uh connection 40 40 gig uh no not gigabit 40 megabit synchronous connection they're like well okay so that's my new server location great it blows my mind that they have that in Brownsville, Vermont. Tip like, in the hand, folks. That's the truth. In the middle of nowhere. I'm, I'm 40 sorry. I had to, I just, I'm sorry. Megabit. Like, oh my God. Synchronous connection. And guess what? 
it's way cheaper than your cable bill. Like, un- you wouldn't believe it. It's way cheaper. Unbelievable. Anyway, I'm really excited about this. I think that's really cool development. Um, and uh, I-, I can't wait to-, to try it out. And uh, we can do that on May 21st, uh, according to-, to this news. I like to think that I've got a pretty sweet access point. Look at my little white Unify UFO up there on the wall. Oh, yeah. So I'm pretty excited to give this a shot. I am definitely considering uh, going in on like an Android controller to, to do this because I actually right probably would. If you've never played with the uh, the Steam, you don't have to have a Steam link to use in home streaming. No, like no, that's no, been a, yeah. that's been a thing since uh 2014 maybe. It's it, it it's really battle tested at this point. It's a good. It's, I mean, it is a damn good way of just playing a game somewhere else at your home and having it show up on a, on a, uh, up until this point, uh, a television with a computer or a device connected to it that was also running Steam. Mm-hmm. Now you can just kind of do it everywhere. I wonder if this is going to prompt a redesign of the Steam Android app because that is starting to look a little dusty, if you ask me. Yeah, no, it sure is. <laughs> I, I do have that on my phone. It's pretty outdated. Google I.O. just wrapped up. Google I.O., of course, being the annual event that Google throws for developers and people within their ecosystem, domain, dungeon, I'm not sure which, they <laughs> show off all the new stuff, all of the new services, the applications, and, of course, the preview of Android for the next year uh, is is given to de- developers to play with. It's an interesting thing having so traditionally there was the Nexus program, right, where Google would push their version of Android and it was kind of seen as a developer phone. It was, you know, really stripped down, it didn't have a lot of blow and it was just this version of Android, right? But right. then with the pixels, they kind of went full Monty and were like, no, actually, we're making crazy cool devices. We're going to go all in. We're going to compete with Apple on the iPhone. And and thus was born the Pixel. And, you know, I have a Pixel. I like it a lot. I do as well. Oh, hey. I also like it a hey, lot. Me too. Oh, wow. Well, that's quite nice. Good. We, we all have very differing right opinions on, on phones. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting a couple to see a couple years into that process where now the company that supplies the open source operating system that oh well every other major phone company except for apple uses for their device to to also have their own competing product on the market Mm -hmm. this feels to me like a very large departure in terms of how it is used from previous Android versions. And a little bit in how it looks too. Android P seems to be a direct response to the iPhone 10 or X or X10, 10X. Yeah, there are a lot of similarities especially in how you how to kind of navigate around um they're they're kind of bringing back the gestures which (laughs) which i i I find interesting because i think back in back in the day with like the blackberry 10 i think it was gestures were deemed 
like clunky <laughs> and inefficient and and yet they seem to be navigating away from buttons and back to that sort of navigation for most people they're going to focus on all of the services that google showed them capable of doing at this at this event and that really outshined the operating system mm-hmm. in a big way <laughs> in a big way so the yeah. really famous one the really 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 famous one was the you've probably seen it at this point they had google assistant make a phone call on your behalf book a an appointment at a hair salon haggle with the person to get the time and the date right and the service correct like what they were actually ha- wanting to have done and then once that was established put that appointment into your calendar for you it's pretty crazy yeah so this this feature is called duplex uh by by the way um and while it's not a, a, a fully fledged, uh, it can't um, it can't be quite as dynamic as, as maybe a, an actual human. Uh, it, it sounded quite convincing for more basic functions like like that, where it's this time, yes, no, that works. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty crazy. The 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 back and forth in that like they showed a conversation about this like hair salon booking. It was. Yeah. It was. I mean. It was mind blowing. I mean, even though it was a simple thing, like the fact that like you literally go to your phone and say, hey, Googs, why don't you book me a hair appointment at this time? Or like, a you know, I want a perm at like, you know, sometime in the afternoon on Wednesday. And then it goes and haggles that into place. That's amazing and terrifying. Yes, all, all at the same time. So it, it, it brings up some 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 ethical questions that I think that Google has addressed in the last 24 hours, but uh, kind of the question of, of you know, the, the person on the other line, do they have the right to know that they are speaking to uh, a robot uh, or, you know, Google assistant as opposed to, as opposed to a real human? Yeah. Um, and should, should, is that something that should be regulated by an independent body? And, you know, is it okay to leave it up to, the companies that use this technology and and one of the things that 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 kind of got brought up here was you know w- with uh, this technology coming out google is not going to be the only one using it as it gets developed more and more and you know a company that maybe not be quite as much as in the, in the spotlight will use it for more well mischievous <laughs> uh purposes and and should this should this be regulated by by somebody so else? you guys have gotten robocalls before right Oh, only about 14 oh, yeah. times a day. Yeah, like, so this is, this gives me a little bit of pause. I just think that if there's a, for one thing, if there's a technology that is convincing enough that it can interface with a real person on the other line and schedule these services, like, if you combine that and that sort of degree of sort of proxy, you know, communication technology going out there, like, for one thing, will will like the market because i mean without without people actually providing information to these kind of robotic voices you can't use the product right so there has to be this voluntary shift in people's behavior in order to accommodate the shift in technology 
So A, does that is that a thing that is even plausible? Can that happen? I honestly don't know because I mean, the way that especially in the past in our lifetimes, the way that people are willing to interface with computers and are willing to integrate technology into their lives has really changed in radical ways. But right. like the first question is, does that even happen? And then if it does, how do you protect people against, you know, I think like you were kind of insinuating getting at this regulation point, how do you protect people from people who use this kind of technology for nefarious purposes? I mean, really shitty robocalls already trick people right now. You know? Yeah. Imagine if it sounds like an actual real person, real dialogue. Oh, yeah. uh, just like... <laughs> I mean, that is all very very true but i i do want to just put a, a spin on this on this uh traveling object in space <laughs> it, it is something that you originate from your own personal device now of course it's going to be it's going to be expanded but on some level it brings that very same frustrating robocall technology to your fingertips and al allows you to use that to alleviate potentially annoying converse. so okay the company that won my business to deliver me a dumpster this past week was the one company that had a web interface and communicated to me by email right <laughs> so so there there is an efficiency factor at play you know there is a Mm -hmm. uh, and and a, a a ownership of of the technology that has in, up until this point um, annoyed us, right? There's a certain like uh, uh, collective ownership of that that has changed with this new product, right? Is that do you think? I, I think that that works as a like conceptually that totally works, but I just think I think about people's behavior, right? We we associate heavily those kinds of calls and those kinds of voices on the end of the end of the line. If we can tell that there's something about them that's not quite a person, you know, that's because most of them are clearly robotic calls or like clearly pre-recorded things. And uh, I just question whether if if everyone got that technology, would people be any more willing to accept it on the other end of the line? That's what I'm saying. Is it, it's yeah maybe it's really great and egalitarian the product is now in everyone's hands but can we actually make functional use of the product? I mean, who would? Uh, I don't know. It's gonna. I mean, it's gonna get tested, right? Yeah, it so. will. It will. I mean, it, it's it's so. I'm just skeptical that it'll work. It's so form. It. I mean, like it. It's it's so built into it. I I don't. I see. I kind of feel like this is a product that lasts for five to ten years. Because because the the concept of like using voice to 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 manipulate your technology, I think is probably how things are going to go in the future. It makes the most sense. That's what we all grew up with in in our science fiction. And like once AI kind of reaches that level, like it's so much more efficient than going up to a terminal and like entering a query and and potentially clicking through or touching through. You know what I mean? Like a conversational tech technology interface is something that like it or not i feel like it is is probably once possible going to be the common paradigm so the 
fact that you are able to enter, you know, use this avenue of a voice controlled technology, I think is actually more of a novelty than anything else. I think at some point, very soon, this whole idea that like a you're you're spinning up some voice that actually talks to another human is like gonna be out the window and all we're gonna do is 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 instigate our desires and in in the background the computers are gonna talk to each other i don't know if that i don't i'm not saying that's good i'm just saying i think that's what that's that's less than mm. yeah you're probably right about that <laughs> what i but i think that you the, the key thing you said is that the the idea of you speaking to a device which then translated it into a script that could schedule the thing and then talk to a real person for now we assume a real person on the other end right that's like, the big that that right there is the big if that's that's the one that will change but mm -hmm. anyway yeah sure yeah okay and with with that kind of with that forward perspective like yeah with that context i i see what you're saying more my question is that how do you get this to catch on to the point that it's like implemented enough that it's meeting on both ends like that if people aren't readily using it like can you can you launch one half of that product without mm. the other half because what i right. think is i use voice control all the time and i can get like, what you can do now which is pretty efficient is to say like hey hey google call this thing in my contacts and it calls them and then you directly do that it probably takes about the same amount of time that setting up some sort of script to do it would probably do if you're making a quick appointment it's like i and that that to me i think novelty is the right word right now i maybe yeah. down the line it'll get this deeper sort of functionality and this more sort of instantaneous communication like end-to-end -end computer communication that you're talking about mm -hmm. but i i guess my my skepticism comes from like how how do you even get this to catch on adoption you're, you're you're talking about like like a buy-in from a from a like just like a, a, a user perspective yeah like, you have to yeah. I, I and that's i mean i wonder because if it I don't know. To to kind of both both of your points, I wouldn't underestimate the lengths that humans will go to not speak to another human. That is true. I have found myself almost exclusively moving toward the don't talk to people checkout lane at the supermarkets. <laughs> if I'm being honest, that's exactly what I do. Um, I was I was using Google Assistant for for some things, and then I don't know, man. I I I, I have to admit that. I, I know, I know that my phone is a listening device anyway, but I just turned it off because it was just like uh, I don't know, <laughs> just a little, just that tiny, that tiny, tiny, tiny little voice in the back of my head that is a little, a little wary of that kind of thing. But I mean, I see the value in it; it's super helpful. I'd say the other, the other big thing that that we speculated on last week was Chrome OS adding Linux app support on their Chromebooks uh, to allow Android uh, web development on, on Chromebooks, which is is pretty pretty darn big. We and, are totally right, and yeah. there it is. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool that they're adding that support to, uh, you know, laptops that are affordable and, uh, uh, you know, relatively straightforward to use, and, and they're adding the support I think is going to be like I, I may get one now because I kind of have to. I feel honor bound, but I also it, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's I don't ah, it's dirty. It's it, I don't know. It's the 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 
the the internet is aflame, my friend. Like people are going back and forth about about this thing because I'm not sure if you've ever heard the meme of the the year of the Linux desktop, but it's been something that Neckbeards and and I have been talking about since <laughs> the '90s, right? This idea that like the Linux desktop someday was going to if not overtake, make a dent in the Mac OS Windows stranglehold, right? And it's a thing that, like, some people get really passionate about. I don't, I don't know. I think people should use it, but I don't really care if you don't. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm not gonna get upset or, you know, have an emotion about p- other people using desktops. Uh, un- unless they ask my technical and professional opinion about how they should use their technology in which point i would say like well a lot of averages you're better off using linux because it's probably going to break less right like but anyway yeah, you have a preference but you're not a dick i like to think so <laughs> yeah that's i'm glad makes me want to hang yeah, out with I, you, you. <laughs> we aim to please what, what, what i would say to anyone who who is is fired up about about this uh, uh, I guess I would, I mean, from my very limited experience, relatively speaking, to using Linux, I would say if you, like, I understand that th- this has been a banner year for Linux. Uh, I mean, a lot has has happened in, in that universe um, for, you know, for, for this OS. I would say that if you want more people to use it and contribute to it, make it as easy and accessible as absolutely possible. It's already pretty... I mean, obviously, it's easy to install and download, but put it in front of as many people as you possibly can in as many ways as you possibly can. And this is one of the ways that you can do it by adding support to a mainstream laptop. I feel like there's haven't like like the idea that. So my favorite part about a Chromebook is the power wash feature. Are you are you familiar with that? No. Okay, this is the this is this is the reason to recommend the Chromebook in my opinion. It's so stripped down and simple because it's a web-based operating system. Right. That there is a if you ever do fuck it up somehow, if you ever do break it, download a virus, whatever, there's a button in the settings that you press that it doesn't factory reset, but it reverts the laptop to a no, to, to a known perfect state under every single circumstance. It's ironclad, and it 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 just oh okay cool because it's all web based. They just blow out the shit that was in the cache for whatever was downloaded, and you're good to go. There right is on. no permissions model to get deeper than a certain level within it, right? And that's why this is taken so long according to google because the implementation of linux apps in chrome os now that they're talking about it publicly in my opinion is amazing in short they are virtualizing a debian environment and handing that to you in a completely containered off way so there isn't like this escape vector from this app. If you get an application or you download something in a particular, you know, it's out of the box siloed in this sort of like known defensive zone 
yet it integrates perfectly with the desktop experience of, of, of Chrome OS. It's a very cool and very 2018 way of rolling this out. We've seen this kind of implementation on the server for several years, but this is very much the right way to do this for the masses. It gives you the, the, the freedom to use this huge library of awesome applications, but it's done in a very security-focused way. And I just, I don't know, man. I know Google hoovers up every little detail and it bothers me. And I've, and, I, and sometimes I set up my own, you know, private Nextcloud server and, and put nothing into Google. And then I go back to Google and I go back. It, it's, it's this thing I've battled with for years, but mm-hmm. the pragmatist in me just says, look, if this is, if this is what it takes, I don't know, man, like, it feels like it's such a, sh- a much shorter hop from this to Ubuntu than even like Mac OS to Ubuntu, right? Right. And, oh, yeah. And like, I don't think Google is being like cagey about that. Like, I feel like that's like, yeah, it's Linux. Here you go. And and for the people like it's marketed to the people who want that already. I don't know. No, there's a there's a market for it. So if, if Google puts out a machine, you can do it. Maybe a lot of people will want to get that hardware, and well, especially since it's so damn cheap. I mean, Chromebooks are like yeah. they're they're hundreds of dollars. They're not thousands of dollars like every single Apple device. You know? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. no, we shall see. Interesting times, though, man. I just like it's it's it. Twenty eighteen is Linux's year. Whether it's the year of the Linux desktop, I don't know. I don't care. But this, <laughs> it's the major fixture of every single you know, industry-focused tech conference yet. Microsoft Build was all about Linux too, guys, so I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. (laughs) My brain is on fire. (laughs) I guess that wraps up Google I.O. Was there anything else to throw in? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a bunch of, like, it's a bunch of, just stuff. I mean, some Android TV announcements, but uh, you know, th- that's the only other major kind of announcement that I feel like came, came out of that. Um, we'll link an article to, to kind of everything that was announced at Google IO. So if there's something that's there that might interest you, that list will be on there. But yeah, I feel like Android, Android P Google assistant, uh, were, were the major, the major things. This is kind of interesting. So it, at the same the same week uh, as Google I.O. was was Microsoft build, there was a bit of an overlap. Because there's not here. enough weeks in the year, apparently. Apparently not. <laughs> and there there definitely seemed to be some some correlations between some of the things that that were that were announced for for both of these two companies events, especially with kind of A.I. Um, oriented items this everything is about data insights everything is about data crunching everything is about learning from context over millions of data points everything Mm -hmm. and microsoft has done a great job of taking all of these very disparate and complex concepts relating to data science relating to big data 
relating to machine learning and AI and turn them into a set of tools that developers can actually do something with. Yes, yes, absolutely. So things kind of uh, uh, AI delivery mechanism like Google Cloud Platform versus Microsoft Azure, um, um, you know, uh, Google's material design versus Microsoft's fluent design. So, so yes. And, and also developing kind of better uh, IOT augmented reality. I mean, that, that, that right. type of thing Just as well. Just productizing these like very disparate realms of technology into things that, that, that you, you can literally interact with on a, on a near conversational level. Like that's, that's what Microsoft is mm -hmm. really good at. We think of them as this this company that makes an operating system, and they do. But for, for now, for, for now, <laughs> yeah, for, for a little while longer. But they are really just a software company. They always have been. Back in the day, I don't know if y'all remember, but you know, Microsoft started out selling software that ran on things that were not Windows, because Windows didn't mm -hmm. exist yet. Just, just, just so you know, that's where Microsoft comes from. But more than anything else, they have fixed something that really, really should have been fixed a long time ago. Yes, uh, like three decades ago. The you know three decades. This this has been this has been a problem. So too too much cheer and applause windows announced that they are finally fixing notepad um it can now finally handle the line editing excuse me line endings for unix and mac os so if if you've ever uh used kind of a text editor to 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 write the very important code and and stuff edit that <laughs> to um uh and and try to uh, uh uh bring that over to windows notepad uh you you may have found that it uh, was converted into just a large large wall of text as opposed to uh uh staying true to the line endings that you may have used if you were doing it on unix or mac os and so this has been a problem for over 30 years that Windows, I, I, I have to believe, has been... I think I think one or two people have mentioned it. Maybe <laughs> in passing. <laughs> and so, finally, finally, they are fixing it. So, um, yeah, they're, they're fixing the, the end-of-line characters, specifically carriage return and line feed uh, to, together. So, so now, when you, when you bring those over, they, yeah, those line endings will be there. Just another daisy coming out of the dirt on top of the window's grave. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's a great thing. I'm so fucking sick of seeing documents and text and, and people's important files mangled by disparate operating systems on a near daily basis is very frustrating. So I'm very happy to see uh, Microsoft taking proactive steps to fix that. They're just like, better late than ever. Oh, oh, Windows. oh, carriage return. Oh, you said oh, like the return. Oh, our bad. Sorry, we just didn't we didn't understand. I thought you I thought you guys said carnage, which is what this looked like for thirty three years. <laughs> oh, we were really wondering why you were talking about horse and buggies. That's a weird thing. That's just <laughs> why do you need to put them back. But we 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 got it now. We got it, guys. It's 
right. Apple has me often feeling very conflicted as a dude who kind of likes to customize my devices, but I'm always super impressed with their focus on keeping their users' personal and private data safe. Now they are taking that to another level and actually removing applications in the App Store that transmit location data to third parties. So if somebody has created an app in the App Store that for whatever reason uses a non-blessed service to track um, track their, their users in real time, that is going to be removed from the App Store. Now, on its surface, this does seem like a good thing, right? We're not, we're not, we're not allowing our, we're not allowing our users' data to go anywhere other than Apple has uh, specifically defined de defined as a safe service, mm -hmm. without explicit consent from the user, right? Right. But I, I, I wonder what that service, what that whitelist looks like. Who, who is who is blessed, right? Who is mm. able to do so? I think this is mostly prompted by the impending GDPR regulation, which, by the way, Colin, we need to do a deep dive pretty specifically about yeah, that. Yeah, we, we should. And, and yeah, it was actually just occurring to me that we haven't really talked about that. So generally speaking, the, the general data protection regulation, which is a... a uh, a bit of legislation that's being passed in Europe for new rules about um, uh, consent of, of of personal data being being gathered. Um, but we'll we'll yeah we'll definitely do a deep dive on that. We're freaking out about it at work. It's it's a big deal, and most yeah. of the internet has been freaking out about it for a long time. Yeah, uh, yep, yep. it's 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 going to change things, and probably probably for the better. <laughs> with a lot of pain along the way. <laughs> but anyway, this seems related to that. Uh, I think that it's probably their way of alleviating certain liability right on. Yeah. from their uh, application yeah. distribution I, structure. I mean, this is happening in a couple of weeks, so yeah, I don't think the timing is a coincidence. It's been coming for a long time. It's been uh, on the on the calendar, uh, TBA up until this point, but now it's official. Uh, net neutrality will be brought out back and shot in the head on June 11th. <laughs> yes, at that point, your internet service providers will be able to delineate certain types of traffic as low speed and other types of traffic as high speed because... Because fuck everything, that's why. But don't you worry. They will invest the extra money that you will be charged to get access to those fast lanes and get your content faster. They will use it to reinvest in their infrastructure. Right? Just like right? they did in the 90s. Yeah, that's how it always works, guys. <laughs> when, you know, large companies generate more revenue, they reinvest them in customer experience. And yeah, the the, the major um, ta right? ta tax spending bill and um, omnibus bill has absolutely shown that that is the case. 
<laughs> no, it's. I mean, it's historical, man. I was thinking about this when I was on the bullet train to Los Angeles recently. <laughs> We've always reinvested in infrastructure and, uh, you know, things that make other people's lives better. But this is a technology show. <laughs> it's true. It, whenever, whenever the FCC comes up, it's like we're man, we are riding that line. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know what? Here's the thing. If you are objectively on the wrong side of the technological <laughs> truth, it doesn't matter if you're yeah. a regulatory body or if you're some dude at the supermarket. You're on the wrong side of the truth. The idea that bits traversing a network could be in any way weighted more or less heavy or light than any other bit is absolutely asinine. It is the stupidest thing. It is a fundamental misrepresentation of how network connectivity works. There is no shortage of bits. There is no scarcity of flow. There is only a misappropriation of taxpayer money into infrastructure 20 years deep at this point there is no other explanation and 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 god help you if you think that this is going to help you connect to netflix faster <laughs> jesus christ that is so far from from what the intention of this is like nobody nobody who has been on the internet for more than five minutes thinks well I guess it's not September of 1993 anymore. <laughs> but still, it's ridiculous to think that some of the most powerful information translation companies in the history of the world, who also now collectively own all of the means of creation of content, will do anything but force that right down your throat. I'm sick of pretending that this is a a a a a, a political issue. <laughs> like it's not. <laughs> it's a raw numbers technical argument. The concept that there is a weighted set of information is not real. So anytime anyone charges you anything other than a neutral fee for your connection to the internet it is a lie and they are taking advantage of you and yes, if sir. god help you you have an alternative if you happen to be one of those lucky what two or four percent of america or the world that can actually choose who your internet service provider is please consider doing so with a reputable company. But if you're like the rest of us who don't really have a choice, this is America. California is now requiring solar panels to be uh, installed on all new houses starting in 2020. This is positive so, news. This is great. This yeah. is, you know, the, the, the you know, this is this yeah. is great. This is really good. Legitimately I love, good. I love when groupings of people say, "Hey, we're going to make wise choices as a society." Yep. Like, absolutely. <laughs> the the uh, it's great. no, it's 
it's great. It's wonderful. The only reason I said that I, I kind of threw in that just just maybe glint of of maybe not everyone is crazy about this. It's just from um, uh, maybe some folks who uh, um, you know one of the uh, things that this kind of brought up was. Um, if, uh, especially for an organization like Habitat for Humanity, who is building these houses, uh, they probably have to pass those additional costs to the mortgage of those people who are getting those houses. But that's really the only negative that, that I could see here. And it's not even even negative. It's just, you know, just something to consider. No, I agree. Whenever, whenever that, that's, that's, I think that's actually a, a bigger point than we then 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 maybe we give it credit for generally speaking yes. i feel like yeah <laughs> it is yeah. true that in this pair in this particular instance the cost of solar panels is coming down greatly it does so every single day but there is a very tangible negative economic impact when we sort of broadly regulate that we need to adopt this particular standard technology what have you when it comes to your own personal property and i'm sympathetic to mm -hmm. that for sure yeah most definitely i mean it's I, I do think that part of doing that is making sure that you're accounting for vulnerable populations of people who can't who can't just suddenly decide like okay like yeah i'm just gonna i'll just pay more for the house it's fine like i'll just pay more on my mortgage it's cool you know like it's not it's definitely it's not something that the entire population can just take like i mean most of the population can't just take that on probably and it's i think part of the responsibility of doing something like that i'd be interested in learning more about like what is being done to like account for folks who can't just voluntarily choose to spend more money who are on tight budgets right yeah right on absolutely um, so, so my, um, my, my dad work is a director of a Habitat for Humanity affiliate. And, and actually when, when I saw him about a month ago, we were actually talking not about this specific legislation in California, but just some of the energy initiatives and, and things that they're doing to kind of make their houses going forward kind of zero. What's the word? Um, zero carbon footprint. neutral, carbon neutral. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Zero emission. Zero cool. <laughs> no, no, no more hackers references. <laughs> I think maybe I was thinking it, it might be kind of interesting to maybe have him on the show um, while I was kind of saying that. That's an but, awesome um, idea. That's an awesome idea. Let you, 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 you do that. You go and see if he'll talk to us about, uh, about, you know, solar technology expansion and its impact on, you know, Habitat for Humanity, low income uh, home building. That would be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Right but, on. Have you right guys on. ever done like an interview before? I know, I know you had Jared on and sort of had a segment that was really based on what he was doing, but that, that could, that it's could a little be, more informal. Yeah. yeah. We cool to do like an interview segment. Like, really. We should. Yeah. We can. Totally will. Good. We will. <laughs> <laughs>so i think you 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 had made made mention that maybe you wanted to talk about uh the marvel universe and, and infinity wars but uh, i don't know if you wanted to to actually do that it's with humility and and a 
uh, an open heart that I tell my my friends on this podcast that I am so far behind in the MCU. I'm trying to learn JavaScript and it's really hard and I'm kind of stupid. It's just <laughs> the way things go and I'm not very uh, not very plugged into that scene at the moment. But uh, I, yeah. I know that the last several MCU movies have been pretty good and people are going insane about Infinity Wars. So I feel like we should give it some some airtime. But I don't know a goddamn thing if I'm being honest. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I don't. I can't talk about it because I haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, and I haven't seen. Oh, Black I did Panther see that yet. actually. I did see that. It's really good. Yeah, I, I haven't seen those past two, which is a bummer because I really wanted to see both of them. And well, I mean, I still can. But <laughs> so I didn't see Ragnarok. I saw Black Panther. It was awesome. Yeah, it was cool. I've actually no. It was. I'd really yeah. after watching Ragnarok, it made me feel like we're it's like a, a different generation of MCU movies. Like, um, Ragnarok was not what I expected. You know, the Thor movie, right? Where they're fighting over Asgard. That sounds pretty boring to me, to be honest with you. Like, I know God's fighting over it. No, it, it, it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't sound interesting to me. They just played it as this, like, perfect balance of sort of somewhat tongue-in-cheek like sketch <laughs> in a way <laughs> but also produced like they had the biggest budget in the world and that actually <laughs> makes up for a lot i think it's right on it's interesting to be having this conversation with the mcu with two other people who are like myself not super versed in it like yeah I, I don't consider myself a big, you know, big head in the Not MCU. I. And I know people who are, and, like, I, I, I get it. Um, my, my roommate in Cambridge, Mike, Mike Adams, Mike Adams loves the MCU. And, and it's like I, I kind of got through his, like, talking about it and other folks, like, I, the appeal. And I think that a big part of it is that Marvel has really effectively translated the experience of reading comic books into this big screen thing. Like, it's this larger larger kind of serial that like we, it, they've just kind of put tv on the big screen it's almost like it's kind of like a reverse netflix you know like ah, they've taken so a, they've taken a that small screen so experience true. and they've just they've exploded it into this different format into a cinema experience and i think that you know i i can recognize that being somebody who really only dabbles in both marvel comics movies and in comic books in general but it's definitely like when I when I see a few of these movies and they string together, I think about like the few comics I've followed, like reading Transmet or like, you know, I read the most of the recent run of the of Black Panther that came out uh, that Tallahassee Coates did um, with Brian Stelfreeze and stuff like it's very much the same experience. But in this different, this kind of subtly different medium than television. Which is funny because mm -hmm. they are the most expensive movies of all time, almost like like it's subtly different. <laughs> yeah, right? and they're putting asses in seats, man. I mean, that's, that's for sure. Like they're paying for themselves and then some, right? And they're internationally doing well. That's to, like the thing right? to the degree that like in like smaller stories can't really get made on a on on in the movie format anymore. Like like yeah, like that's it's like the budget has literally coalesced, like completely coalesced around these giant movies that would that make a shit ton of money and are entertaining <laughs> i mean but 
it's it's it's, it's funny like, that we live in this era too where like like television and or rather at, at the very least serial story production has sort of taken up the slack i feel like there's so much money to be to be spent there so long as you call yourself a web focused television show you have access you can make any drama you can make any serial you know you can make any story you want but it can't be a movie it can't be a big budget <laughs> hollywood movie at the same time i mean there is there is money in these services right like there's money going into Netflix original movies and Amazon original movies and you know Hulu. Hulu had a Handmaid's Tale. I mean, that's a huge cultural force, and right. I'm, I'm sure they have original standalone movies. A lot of what's happening with streaming services that they're picking up either, and I, I don't know exactly how it's happening structurally, but they're either they're picking up the slack that small art house studios used to pick up in doing these limited runs of movies. It's either that or those art houses are just marketing to Netflix and to streaming services instead of doing these limited theater runs. It's probably a combination of both. Well, you know, where like they have kind of their own little studio system coming up. But I think that in a way it's been really good for, you know, the whole direct to video has sort of lost some of its stigma. I, I've seen some really great movies with really accomplished folks in them on on Amazon streaming that just you know they probably played at a festival somewhere and then that's just where they got picked up for distribution. I think yeah, you're still able to see those stories. Whether now if there's a deeper discussion about like do these particular pieces of cinema work better on a small screen in your home or in a like larger, more traditional cinematic format is a whole different discussion. But those opportunities are out there, and I think that is kind of a cool thing that's happened. That being said, you might not be seeing as much interesting stuff at your local multiplex as you were, you know, five to ten years ago, probably like ten years ago at this point. Yeah, but in 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 a, I'm I'm sorry to be vulgar, but in a in in the era of Rule Thirty Four, does that matter? Like. <laughs> truly like when i can access literally everything and most of it in higher than 1080p <laughs> like like does that matter like that's maybe I, I that can't answer that question i mean if it's, yeah. something, it's something worth debating yeah does it matter and what are the arguments on either side what does it matter why doesn't it matter i don't i mean we should definitely talk about that next <laughs> time. yeah agreed that's a huge conversation I will. Can I uh, put a little bow on on this on this though? Like, uh, I I'm a you know lifelong a lifelong Star Trek fan. Everybody knows that. People are t are saying, everybody's heard. <laughs> Life. I'm a lifelong Star Trek fan. Uh, I was born in 1987, and so was Star Trek: The Next Generation. We watched it every single week in my house as I grew up. It's it you know core of my being. The recent series discovery was held behind a paywall on cbs's new streaming service cbs all access that pissed off which is useless except it, for truly, that show it's like the the they have the largest library of bullshit television i have ever seen except for Star Trek Discovery and every other Star Trek series that you can get on that. 
Uh, Dad liked it because he could get Patriots games through it, which I guess is a. <laughs> I, I bet you there's not a small number of people listening to the show who said, whose ears suddenly perked up at that. I'm not gonna lie, if I could, if I could get Patriots? NBA through that, I, that would be cool. Right? It 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 it's there's you know there's a local component of your CBS affiliate, right? But the service itself is you know a five to ten dollar a month uh, subscription. And you know what? Even though it's mostly like CSI, NCIS bullshit that I'll never watch, I think that's great. I think that's awesome. The idea that there is that I can a la carte. We're we're entering the era where I can a la carte select my sources of of of, of content distribution on a very granular level. Mm-hmm. I know people are going to be frustrated because like a lot of people don't want to be bombarded with that amount of choice, but I think it's great. I think it's great because it allows me to hone my utility bill to the only content that I really want to pay for. <laughs> and I think it's great because it alleviates the congestion from my life. It just like, it, it 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 doesn't it you know I don't have to be bombarded by advertisements I don't have to be bombarded by by everything that comes over the the wire it's just the selective content that I want and I can jump mm-hmm. ship if I if they do something I can just say okay you're not getting my money then anymore I'm gonna put it over here that puts so much more power in 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 my dollars that puts so much more. Mm-hmm. That that also creates a much more intimate connection to the to the companies that are giving you this content. Honestly, it's direct, and if they they fuck up, they immediately don't get that money. You know, like it's it's I don't know. It just seems more fair. Right on. Yeah. No, no, no. I uh, can appreciate that argument. Yeah. I mean, I don't have cable. I don't want it. <laughs> so, yeah, I would much rather pay for the things that I want. I think that's... I hope that's a universal feeling. <laughs> I think it is. I think it's just taken a really long time for the industries that exist to understand what the market wants. Unfortunately, in the right. meantime, they bought up all the ISPs, so we're all fucked anyway. Yeah, it's weird how uh, <laughs> I was going to say it's like I think some of these things that we're talking about have been related in some ways mm. here. You know, like maybe maybe there are people yeah. who own the uh, the means of communicating who maybe want to nudge us towards uh, some services and maybe not towards others that they don't have vested interest in. <laughs> but anyway, I wonder what it'll do to like. Uh, you know, if this is the future we're moving towards, what what does the role of kind of terrestrial and cable become in that paradigm too? And that's you know, it's an interesting question. Radio's changed a lot over the last last 50, 50 years to a century. You know, that's not what oh, it yeah. used to be. So what uh, maybe that becomes its own sort of interesting uh, legacy format for transmitting information. I don't know. Those are, that's the kind of thing that I think it whatever this new kind of cutting edge is like what's left in the What's left in the kind of fizzle?
But that's for another episode of Rhythm. the Shiny Podcast. <laughs> oh boy. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Davis, for joining us. Uh, your input so has welcome. been invaluable. And we hope that you will tune in next week. Until then, if you would like to get a hold of us, you can reach me at Ali 11 How do you spell that, Colin? C-O-L-L-I-E-O-L-L-I-E-11. If you were golfing and L's were strokes, you would be vastly over par. <laughs> Chris hates my Twitter handle. He hates it so much. Because I'm at Fuck Solo, which is vastly simpler to find, spell, and search. Uh, I'm at JS Wildhack on Instagram, but I'm not telling you my Twitter. <laughs> it's McDaggers. McDaggers! <laughs> And our shiny uh, Twitter is Cast the Shine. You can also check us out on Facebook. Our website, of course, shinypodcast.com. And please, please email us. We would love to hear from you at hello at shinypodcast.com. Somebody please review us on iTunes, too. You know, it takes five reviews to show up, by the way. So, so here, here's, here's what's going to start happening, folks. Um, I, I would really appreciate it if of your own volition uh, went out there and gave us a review i'm going to start asking people individually and i'm going to make it really uncomfortable really uncomfortable so i'm going to start i'm going to start asking you all personally very very personally to please please go review us on iTunes, 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 on iTunes. Really uncomfortable. There is a farmer's market, like a like vegetable, like farm stand, kind of down the street from me. Uh, where they grow tons of French vegetables. Fries. No, 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 no. This is so much better. They, uh, they've they've been there for a couple years. I've gone. It's it's not like organic or whatever because they just you know they grow shit, they buy shit, but mm-hmm. they get they get pretty good stuff and it's super cheap and it's awesome. This spring, I'm I'm geared up. I'm pumped. I'm ready for the produce of 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 the land. And there is a giant green food truck with an alligator parked in front of my favorite farm stand (laughs) i'm just like huh so being a a a uh intrepid i like to think individual i went and uh they have awesome cheeseburgers (laughs) i i am not in the least bit surprised but there's no farm stand until they 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 build it out. I guess it's under new ownership, but um, I am very torn about this because one side of my brain is telling me, you know, vegetables, health, <laughs> produce, uh, sustainability, yeah, uh, uh, local. Yeah, exactly. Vegetable. Yeah, just a good thing to know. And the other side of me is saying. Grease bomb. Tailgater. 
Because <laughs> BT dubs, that's what the Gator's about. <laughs> <laughs>